No matter in life what you try to do, you're dead too. Hello, and welcome to You're Dead Too, a podcast about our shared inevitable demise. I am your host, John Toyson, and this week I'm continuing my summer break with a book report on a recent book that I read, uh, Being Mortal by Atul Gawande. It's a book that was recommended to me by previous guest Brenda Hartman, and I have to say it was a phenomenal read. I can't wait to tell you more a bit about it. But first, I would like to just first off apologize for the delay in posting this. I've been traveling, like I'd said in previous podcasts, that July was kind of a heavy month for that, so I've got a pretty fairly built-up schedule that I needed to accommodate for and uh, needed time to finish the book as well. Uh, So my apologies in getting this out uh, a day or two late. I know that this was not on the regular schedule, but frankly, happy to be doing this and hope people aren't too salty about it. Understandably so. I get the same sense of like, where is it? When I have podcasts that I love that haven't posted an episode. So I feel you and I'm sorry. Hopefully it won't happen again. But as always, thank you so much for listening. Uh, if you've got questions, comments, feedback, please let me know. Reach out on your dead two at Gmail or at your dead two on Twitter, Instagram. And let me know if you've got uh, anything that you think is relevant or interesting or could be helpful for the podcast. Love to hear it. I'm open to feedback, and uh, it's the only way I'm going to know how to you know, improve things for anybody listening because, frankly, I'm doing this in a vacuum, and I want to make sure that I'm doing this the right way. Or you know, if there's anything that I can prove, happy to do it. Otherwise, if there's maybe uh, vocal tics I need to work on, I've gotten some feedback on that, but I could definitely always be open for more. As I said, this is just a uh, a bit of a lighter episode to talk a bit about this book that was amazing and want to just share a bit more about it. So without further ado, let's hop in. So like I said, this book, uh, Being Mortal by Atul Gawande, Author's name is A T U L space G A W A N D E, Atul Gawande. Uh, is a book that was recommended to me by Brenda Hartman when she was on talking about her experiences, and she'd mentioned it and how impactful it had been and how beneficial it had been for her. And I realized, okay, that's got to be something that I need to get done reading right away. And of course, finding time to read a paperback book these days is especially with a child running around the house, uh, you know, can be kind of trying. But actually, this trip that I just went on uh, to Chicago, which was very cool, I uh, got some time to read it, spent some time at the airport, definitely um, getting weird looks from strangers in the bar while I was reading this book. But super cool book, really profound, intense stuff. Uh, I know that the nature of this podcast is really uh, niche, to say the least. I don't want to... uh, scare anybody off, but I know that I need to do a lot of kind of scene setting and preparation for people before they're on the podcast, or I have to kind of explain what this is and why I'm doing this when I'm talking with people about it, because it's, I realize as I read the book, this is insane that I'm doing this. Like, this is crazy that this is what I'm doing and talking about. And like, my, (laughs) I was telling my wife about this before we left on the trip that we went on. And she said, hey, you know what makes this really fun is when you remind me of my grandparents dying. That's really how we set the tone for the trip. So I'm uh, I'm open to this stuff, and I know that that's not the norm, but I think that there's benefit to it. I think that there's definite 
positivity that can be brought from it that not that I need to have everybody focusing on this every day, but if it were not for people examining the role of dying in culture, it would be even more of a, a, a vacuum or an empty spot that we don't have access to that would just cause further problems because that's definitely something that I've taken away from the book that I'll get to towards the end of the uh, the review here that really there's an importance to looking at this. And uh, frankly, the author wrote this beautifully. Uh, the prose is just... It's it's a it's a somewhat biographical account of some details, but it's also very um, it's an examination of medicine and what matters in the end, according to the tagline of the book. It it really focuses on dying and what that looks like in the modern era, how that's changed, and what matters to people as that process happens, and that's and how we can extrapolate from that. What are we doing correctly? What are we doing incorrectly? How can we better do this both as physicians and as people who are interacting with the medical community? Because that's certainly a common, you know, very prevalent factor in dying these days is that it's oftentimes you end up in the hospital rather than dying at home. So without giving too much more preamble to it, I just kind of wanted to go over some notes from what it took away, some of the things that I kind of underlined and uh, selected as I was reading the book that... I could honestly, I would, <laughs> were it not for copyright laws, I would be perfectly happy just reading whole chunks of it on the podcast here and just, you know, post chapters of it. And just because I believe that there's so much to be learned from this book that I'd recommend it for anybody, especially if you've had people that you are concerned about their future. It's just so enlightening. But uh, the writing is just beautiful. There's really, there's a number of passages I wanted to select just for the elegance of their prose, but it, um, you know, I'm, <laughs> I'm not going to do that. Maybe if I ever get hard up for content, I'll just start reading it uh, out loud on the podcast, but we'll see if that day ever comes. I'm sure I'll have plenty of weird stuff to cover before then, but like I said, it's a book about medicine and what matters in the end, and one of the first things that really became apparent as I was reading the book is that I wasn't aware of the change that happened with regard to the suddenness of death, that for much of human history, death was not a prolonged process. Sure, there were diseases and cancers that could occur in people, but there were so many other factors that could be a reason for somebody passing away. There, you, Not just diseases that take forever but just that the the human lifespan on average was so short there were so many <laughs> you know at a certain point there were predators but then as we modernized into a civilization there was still disease that was quick acting and could cause damage quick enough that you contract something and die within days you know it was, the lengthy dying process is not an old habit here it's it's certainly uh something that's as medicine has developed we've gotten quite good at extending the process of dying. And it was interesting for me, this was something that Brenda had mentioned in her interview as well, that the business of dying or the, the practice of dying has really changed the human experience with it. Whereas it was something previously that, you know, you get struck on the head while you're out in the wilderness or kicked by a horse or something happens, it could often be very sudden and random. It still is today, certainly, but it was much more common in the past to have an uh, act of random occurrence to kill somebody. 
diseases were definitely prevalent, but again, the diseases that we were dealing with, they would act quickly. A long, drawn-out death was a rarity because we weren't able to do so. And as modern medicine developed um, during the advent of World War One and Two, and then post World War Two, especially with how medicine has progressed, we're able to greatly prolong lives and old age has become such a massive boom in our society and culture. Um, they talk a bit about, um, they, he, Atul, talks a bit about dying at home versus dying in a hospital. Up until, you know, 18th, 19th century, it was much more common to die in the home if you were basically known to be dying, they would take you to your home. Where else would you want to be? That was where your <laughs> where your family was. It's where your stuff was. It's where your bed was. Put somebody in bed to die. Uh, I, I remember finding out that my uh, paternal grandparents, their farmhouse was um, a hospice care place, basically, that my grandmother as a nurse would take in the people in the community and have them die in her home if they could not be on their own because she had the capacity to care for them and help nurse them along to their to their inevitable end and in hindsight now i wish i had been able to talk to her a bit about that before she'd passed but that's the irony of this is that the more i've studied this the more i realize what i've lost the opportunity to do so so i'm appreciative to have that reminder in front of me uh furthermore people often died in poor houses which were basically minimal charging rent that was just a bed to sleep overnight like homeless people you know transient people or um what we now know as the mentally ill or um people that did not have a stable living situation they were able to be in these just nightmarish dirty poor houses which were just a roof over your head and a cot to sleep on if you're lucky and people often died in them and it was a real source of contagion and disease and just filth that had to be dealt with for the community and they were phased out and again with the advent of hospitals and the expansion of them they really the development and the change in the doctor's role came from expanding into taking care of the sick and dying i mean not just in the sense of preventing disease but people who are so another aspect that really comes up is an examination of autonomy and the independent self. Uh, what would happen to the elderly as they reach a point of no longer being able to necessarily care for themselves in an autonomous sense of uh, dressing, bathing, feeding, living your daily life, having goals and freedom to achieve them. Uh, obviously, if you look into this for any amount of time, you'll find that it is the... It's... What we did in history was the elderly would live with the family and the family would support them. Family was more generational. The American modern society has really gotten away from that traditional cultural uh, practice and just focused on the nuclear family of just parents and children, children leave, that's it. Uh, grandparents are living elsewhere and as time goes on they need nursing care so they move into a nursing home and then from there that's it they're just stuck in this place this nightmarish nursing home you know proverbial place full of um people who are not thriving for lack of a better term that was really i've seen it in my own family and i've seen it in other families as well that 
taking care of the elderly or somebody with needs is a huge burden. It, it It's not, you know, I say burden because, frankly, it's, it is. it is. There's just a, there's no getting around it. It's a demanding thing that's a full-time job of taking care of somebody. And then in addition to having your own career and possibly your own children to manage as well, <laughs> manage children like they're employees, uh, it it's so stressful and it's so demanding and so relentless and it is exhausting that it's no wonder that we've gotten to the point of just kind of shipping people off to a nursing home and people need the help and they need the care and if you just scale things up it becomes much more manageable but it's it's a reality that you know I've not loved as I've learned more about it and certainly the way the author goes into this it really there's a significant portion of the book that really examines probably the entire middle third an examination of the nursing home industry and how it evolved and the practices that it fostered and then from there how we could revamp the system to be more holistic and encouraging for people to thrive and lead more autonomous lives that doesn't just amount to here you go you're on your own in a place and you can just kind of do whatever you want and we'll occasionally clean up after you like there's more to it than that and it was really elucidating I I found myself getting bogged down a bit in it just because it seemed to really be a focus of the book to the point that I had to kind of push myself to get through it because that was not really what I was getting into the book for but it was definitely as I pushed past that section of the book it was really helpful to have known this and had that as a background piece for the other things that come up later in the book so it was really I would definitely if anybody that has had parents in nursing homes or grandparents uh, anybody with family who was going to be going down that road in the future it's incredibly helpful to read what what's in there and how the approach can be done because it, it it's getting older is inevitable I mean that was a fascinating takeaway for me as well that uh, there's no particular reason we die uh, physiologically from a medical standpoint um, if you look at all the mechanisms that occur with aging what Atul Gawande does is break down okay is it this thing no it's not this thing no it's is it this thing that's causing it no it's just it's every single system in your body wearing down over the course of time and as the wearing down occurs in each individual system, it begins to cause this accumulation effect of just on a grander scale, things falling apart. We just die a little bit piece by piece, things wear down. And it there's kind of a a haunting beauty in that of just, oh, it's just one little thing after another, like telomere strands on the end of your DNA that just break at the end and they don't repair themselves as easily so the skin is no longer healing as quickly which causes this to happen and then the elasticity of your skin goes away and then because of that you are more prone to cuts and because of that you can bleed like there's just these this million little butterfly effect thing happening that really was so haunting to see that not that really there's just no thing that happens we just fall apart bit by bit um although i should say falling seems to be a huge culprit uh over and over and over again it comes up almost as a leitmotif in the book that just and then this person fell and that exacerbated things and they had to come back to the hospital that falling is just this ever-present issue with the elderly that is 
not not preventable, but that it's so inevitable that it becomes difficult to prevent it because it's just there are so many things that can cause it. I know that there are like special socks that you can put on that have the seams done in a way that they are much less likely to induce somebody to trip. Um, but there are just things like hypertension or what is it, hypertorso tension, where you're like your body can't push your blood pressure enough that when you stand up, you just get wobbly and fall over, or you get vertigo, or diabetic uh, waves of vertigo. Like anything that can cause that falling just seems to be a real threat that uh, I don't know if uh, he had intended to focus as much on it, but it was certainly, I noticed that just, God, everybody keeps falling over and over and over again. And I've been very grateful to have two functioning legs. Uh, but what what can really help with people as they approach death is not just having a plan of attack of, okay, when you start dying, here's what's going to happen. It's more so an idea of what's important to you and what matters in your time left. What would you like to do with it? And certainly something that Brenda had clarified when she was on was that bucket lists are not what you see on TV or in the movies. It's never, you know, go skydiving and, like, ride on the back of a giraffe or, you know, anything like that. It's it's saying goodbye to people. It's making amends. It's telling people you love them. It's spending more time with your family. And the real, the real significant takeaway for me was the idea of our... Are you wanting to end up in the ICU unintended because you're just panicking trying to fix things at the very last minute and see what just – give me one more minute, one more minute of life. Can we just keep – bring them back, bring them back, resuscitate them versus if you plan this out and approach it with hospice care, we can get you another very good X amount of days or weeks or months Um Everybody wants to fight cancer, and they think, I can get another 10 or 20 years out of life when doctors are thinking to themselves, mm, they've got maybe one or two years, but the way that the doctors are talking, they don't get to explicitly convey that message in a way that it becomes clear to the patient, and that's another interesting takeaway from the book. Personally, frankly, I've the deaths that I've seen and experienced in my life, I've seen alternating, you know, ending up in the hospital and spending last moments there versus being at home or surrounded by family. And I just think it would be so much more peaceful for everybody involved to be at home and not desperately fighting every step of the way and doing all of these things to just ravage your body to see if we can treat one more thing and one more round of chemo and what, like, that... I don't claim any special knowledge on this, but the idea of dying happens to everybody. There's no matter what happens, you're dead too. That's the that's my that's the deal here. And it's I, I'm not claiming to have some spiritual awakening, but I'm at least aware enough of what comes with the joy of being alive is that there is a finiteness to this and it will happen for everyone and if you're lucky you get a bit of a warning sometimes it's you know a widow maker and you just drop dead and never even see it coming but for people that are suffering from a disease sometimes you can stop 
aggressive chemical or surgical treatments and have a more peaceful end where you can say goodbye and be comfortable. And that was really a powerful takeaway from the book that I would I would certainly hope that others would glean from the book. Also, it, it was really interesting to see how family would not be willing to let somebody go and really clinging to the idea of fighting and having something that... Uh, just any cure, any cure. There's got to be something, some medical trial, some kind of thing. Like, they just don't want the person to go, which, of course, they love you. They don't want you to go, but it's going to happen. And I realize in reading the book and the things that I was reading about, I'm unusual in my comfort level with this, but that so many people are not, and I forget that. It was interesting for me being around family when I had people who were in the process of dying who was comfortable with it and who was just like, Mm-mm, can't do it, can't engage. And I just, I always find that so surprising because it's, it's, it is shared among all of humanity that this will happen, but some people just deal with it in different ways. And that is an unusual evolutionary trait that I have that I'm able to do that. But, uh, I need to be mindful of that. But then again, if you're listening to this at all, then, well, I'm sorry that you're a little bit like me, but <laughs> we 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 have that special power that we can do that. Um, it was interesting to read about doctors not being clear because they're too uncomfortable with the frankness of it. That that's a certain aspect of the medical community that just it's it's about fighting disease, fighting sickness, you know, preventing death to any extent, and f- losing the thread of keeping somebody's quality of life to the point that they're they're wanting to be alive you know having frank conversations with people about their expectations and their hopes of what would this be worth to you would you want to do this dangerous surgery if it means you might have you know 25% chance of fixing this or you know a 75% chance of never even walking again like there's this the whole cost benefit analysis of what what risks do you want to take? What life is worth living to you? Do you want to do this and fight this now or accept that this will take you within a week and you need to be able to make peace with that and here's how we can accommodate that? So hospice care and what that means and how that's developed it was really fascinating to read about. You know, shortening and worsening the time that's left instead of making it enjoyable for somebody. Not enjoyable, but, you know, something that you can tolerate. Um there were some things about the three stages of medical development in societies that as you first develop the ability to treat diseases, people were dying at home because that was where they were and the doctors would do house calls. But as society develops and medicine advances, people would end up in hospitals dying there because that's where all the equipment was. That's where the treatments were. You go to the hospital to do so. And as society further advances and we look more into this and find more, uh, for lack of a better term, soul-searching about it, we see people dying at home more with hospice care because there is less desperate clinging to medicine treating and rather an understanding of what is quality of life, what is this worth doing, what can we make more tolerable for this. So that was interesting to see those three phases come through. Um, Towards the end of the book, Atoll writes beautifully and honestly about his own father's death and, you know, at length, not just in passing, just very long passages that are just really profound and you feel like you're going on the journey with him. It's just really, again, wonderfully written. Um, 
but I want to actually just look at the last, the very last pages in the book, in the epilogue, um, because the, the summary of it is just so perfect. So on page 259, the beginning of the epilogue says, Being mortal is about the struggle to cope with the constraints of our biology, with the limit sets by genes and cells and flesh and bone. Medical science has given us remarkable power to push against these limits, and the potential value of this power was a central reason I became a doctor. But again and again, I have seen the damage we in medicine do when we fail to acknowledge that such power is finite and always will be. So it... Man... It's a phenomenal book. I have many people in my life that I would love to give copies to, but I feel like that would be like a threat of like, might as well be sending somebody a brochure for a funeral home of like, hey, watch out, I'm coming for it. Like, no, it's, I think there's so much to be learned from this. But again, so much of what I do with this has to be phrased in a very particular careful way. So I want to make sure that uh, I'm approaching this with tact. But as always, uh, I can't thank you enough for listening. If you're at all interested, being Mortal by Atul Gawande. Again, it's A-T-U-L-G-A-W-A-N-D-E. Phenomenal book. Absolutely loved it. Would highly recommend. And again, I can't thank you enough for listening. I hope all is well with everyone, and uh, I'll see you next week. Mm-hmm.